It's Under the Dome Radio, the full discussion and fan feedback show for Season 3, Episode 5, entitled Alaska, recorded July 17th, 2015. Very kind of you to yet again join us on Under the Dome Radio. It's the unofficial podcast by and for fans of CBS TV's Under the Dome. This is episode 58 of Under the Dome Radio, which means the show notes will be at underthedomeradio.com slash 58. You can also leave us all sorts of feedback by visiting underthedomeradio.com slash feedback. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Check out our other podcasts that will make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. We're also sponsored by lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com. Get a 10-day free trial. Learn something new. Just visit lynda.com slash dome for all the details. And me, I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting, podcasting, Green Bay Packers fan, and happy Farve Week to you and yours. And I am at Troy Heinrichs, making sure I clap twice really hard to keep the lights on under the dome and under the mill in the caverns. Clap on, clap off, (laughs) clapper. (laughs) Those are very ingenious devices. They could definitely use one. That they can. Good evening, Sir Wayne. How are you? And what do we have on tap for this 58th episode of Under the Dome Radio? Well, believe it or not, Sir Troy, tonight we are going to have breaking news. That's where we're going to have dome-related news, ratings, things that might be happening around the mill. Then, requests and dedication. We're going to close the loop on last week's show. Any feedback that might have come in after the fact will also feature this week's Under the Dome Clam of the Week and share your answers to the dome-provoking question of the week that we had on the last episode. Then it's on the air. We're, we're going to talk a little bit ourselves about what we found interesting about this most recent episode of Under the Dome. And then what you've been waiting for, on location. We're going to talk to the diehard fans like yourselves of Under the Dome with your voicemails, your feedback, and other good stuff. Then it's investigative report time. We've got a little bit of information about next week's episode. May or may not be spoilery. So listen to that little snippet at your own risk. But let's go ahead and get things underway, shall we, Troy? Before we get into ratings this week, we promised you some highlights from Comic-Con last week. And we actually have a post on the website that has a bunch of videos that you'll want to check out. It's got the actual Under the Dome panel uh, that had Tim Schlattman and Marge Helgenberger and Colin Ford and I believe Mike Vogel were on that panel. So you'll be able to see the full panel from Comic-Con. There's also a lot of uh, YouTube videos from what was the press room. One of our good friends, Jason from the TV-aholic and at TV Times 3 podcast was there. And we got his video and plus some other people at the table posted their stuff on YouTube. So what we did is instead of trying to talk about it and play it all here for you, we made it really simple. Just go to underthedomeradio.com slash cc 2015 that's comic-con 2015 cc 2015 and you'll get every single youtube video we could find about comic-con and the dome on that one post that way you'll have all the information in one place it's good to have everything all in one place easy to find now in the ratings news even though fifty thousand people saw our pitch to market thursdays differently on cbs under the dome actually fell to a new series low of 0.9 
with a three share in the ever popular 18 to 49 demo with 4.79 million viewers. And although this might be concerning for the future of Under the Dome, if you look at the season premiere DVR Live Plus 7 day numbers, things aren't quite so bad. In fact, the top three DVR shows for the week of June 22nd through the 28th all aired on Thursday nights. And Dome increased from a 1.3 to a 2.2 in the 1849. That's a 69% increase, making it the second most DVR'd show for that week. Wayward Pines, also on Thursday, was number one, followed by Big Brother, the Thursday edition, at number three. And all these uh, tidbits are from tvbythenumbers.zaptoit.com. Yes, and we'll have that link in our show notes. So I guess the thing we can take away from this, uh, Wayne, is that Thursday nights in the summer are bad to watch live. Everybody records it. So as long as the on-demand paycheck is still there from Amazon to pay for the non-commercial viewing DVR audience portion of the Dome, I believe the Dome will last forever, as I predicted. Season four. Oh, man. (laughs) Troy, Troy, Troy. Two quick things I wanted to share about that. One I want to see what the DVR plus seven numbers come out to be for this past week's episode, because the premiere of the season did start out relatively strong before getting a little worse each week. So we got to see how the Alaska episode did with the DVR numbers mixed in. And this whole on-demand paycheck from Amazon might make it under the dome go on forever. Uh, There's got to be more that goes into the decision than just that. Maybe the, Actors would like to maybe try their hand at something else. We'll see. They just bring in more people because you can resurrect anybody from the dead on Under the Dome. That's very true. It could become the Lyle and Ben show. Now that I would watch. Mm, That would be interesting. (laughs) So let's go ahead now with that out of the way. Let's dig into requests and dedications. This is our revised segment this year where we ask all of you questions to think about and answer during the course of the week as we wait for the next episode so eagerly. Last week we asked you what actually enabled Nori to kind of snap out of it and come back to the Nori of old. And we did have a few answers. In fact, on Facebook, Justin said, I'm pretty sure Nori snapped out of it when she realized that she didn't want to have sex with Hunter back in the kinship episode. I wouldn't want to have sex with him either. There you go. (laughs) Snap out of it. And Todd said probably the same thing that seemed to allow Hunter to snap out of it. Serious emotional or physical pain. In fact, Todd says, I think Hunter is out of it now. By the way, Barbie may be next. And I was going to say Ava too, but I feel like she might turn back with Barbie. Dug it in. That's a, that's a really good point actually, because if you think about it, Ava almost started out this episode, and we'll get into this a little bit later, actually going up against Christine. So it might have been that Ava could have actually been her own woman and brought Barbie back to the good side with her. Ava is a bit of a flip-flopper lately. So, yeah, we're definitely going to touch on that. Now, Doug in Atlanta, he was very practical when he said the answer was rubber bands. Simple enough. There you go. I think that'll help most anybody to snap out of it if you stretch it far enough. And Tom on Twitter said sorority spandex jogging shorts. Let that sink in for a minute. Sorority spandex jogging shorts. They squeeze the goo right out of you. So a little bit of poetry from Tom there. Sounds like a good tagline for some outer aware apparel company to market their stuff. (laughs) 
squeeze the goo I, right out of you. I can see the TV commercial right now. Oh, my goodness. What else we got, Troy? Oh, man. Well, we said we'd also be featuring our Under the Dome Clamors of the Week made by all of you guys, the fans. And that is C-L-A-M-M-R.com if you want to play along. And, of course, this week our best clam came by mixing up some music with it entitled Christine's My Butterfly Sugar Baby. This is done by none other than our good friend, Mr. Aaron Arnett Jr. But for some reason, Christine wants to have babies with the Scooby Gang. And a little bomb chicka wow wow starts to happen. Come, my lady, come, come, my lady. And definitely eggs are what happened when you do a little bomb chicka wow wow as part of that oh. process. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> um Aaron, I don't know where you find some of these songs that I've never heard before, but uh props on putting that together. My butterfly sugar baby. Yes, I love the butterfly tie and it was excellent. Egg. <laughs> Remember, if you want to get in on the fun, you can download Clamor for the iOS devices. Just visit Clamor.com to download the app. For non-iOS users, you can visit Publisher.Clamor.com and upload and tag your audio there. And if you want to be featured on the podcast, just like Aaron Arnett was this week, he tagged his Clamor with hashtag UTDRFan. That's how we found him. So UTDRFan if you want to be on the show. And again, if you do that, we'll feature you on the podcast next week. Yes, we will. And then at the very end of this season, the best clams will be voted on by you and a special prize awaits. So get clamming today at underthedomeradio.com slash clam. Now, for our dome-provoking question. Now, on to our dome-provoking question for next week. We want to know what will happen to the Millers now that their quote-unquote leader has been captured. It's actually a really good question because we saw how the lemmings jumped off the roof in Alaska. And so if the leader is separated from the group, will the lemmings try to save the leader or will the lemmings just undo whatever the process is? So, yeah, let us know what your thoughts are. What's going to happen to the townsfolk now that Christine has been kidnapped by Julia? Under the dome radio.com slash feedback is one of the best places to go and let us know the answer to that question. Now we're going to prepare the slop. And we're going to serve it to you. So we're going to go on the air right after this. Are you as sick of the endless, poorly realized remakes as we are? That's where our show comes in. Every two weeks, we discuss a classic movie actively in development for a remake. We figure out what works and what doesn't, throw a dash of humor at it, and then we craft our own remake. By the end of every episode, we'll have our film gift-wrapped and ready to go for all of those Hollywood suits. We will remake this movie right. Remake This Movie Right can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, your favorite podcast app, or just visit us at RemakeThisMovieRight.com. The next time you're watching a film that you love, just remember, it will be remade someday, and only you can make it better. Episode 5, Alaska. Here comes the rundown, ladies and gentle folk. Well, we are sitting here all huddled up in the tents, waiting to move into the dorms, but uh-oh, we can't move in because guess what? That load-bearing beam apparently was load-bearing. Or was it? 
We find out that the ceiling collapses and actually injures a bunch of people, but the EMT is nowhere to be found because he is drunk in sex and booze with his new girlfriend, Abby. So all these people are injured. And then, of course, they have to find out what actually did happen. So we call the not property brothers. We call the beard brothers, uh, Mr. Barbie himself and his friend, to find out what actually happened. And as they look at it, they find out, of course, that the wood has been cut. But by who is the big question? Meanwhile, we have Ava flip-flopping back and forth. She's having a conversation with Barbie. She already knows that he's an abuser because he punched the wall and she's holding his hand. And then later on in the episode, Barbie actually smashes a dude's skull in in order to protect his woman, yet somehow she still loves him. And that is just something that we're going to scratch our heads on for the rest of this show. That is for sure. But Barbie and Ava seem to be together and moving right along, but that's because... She went down with Christine to figure out how they could actually spill the news to Barbie, only to be double-crossed by Christine's new secret lover, Junior himself. That's right. Now he's not law enforcing. He is actually capturing and entrapping people in order to spread goo all over their faces. Meanwhile, Big Jim and Julia have teamed up on Bird Island with Acteon to figure out what the heck is going on, and they find out that the meteorite, when you actually touch it, shards or whole in the egg form, actually downloads some kind of a disease or entity into you that is unearthly. And because of that, it actually causes problems and havoc. Acteon, of course, wants the egg in order to be a great energy supply that will actually replace fossil fuels and nuclear power and power the rest of the world forever. But of course, at what cost? Because they have to neutralize this entity that gets downloaded into the system. All in all, things finish up, and then we find out that Big Jim and Julia do indeed have to figure things out. They uh, capture Christine. They actually deliver her to Acteon, but not before Big Jim gets double-crossed on his deal with the good doctor and gets put into a cage himself because now, as good scientists are, a experiment needs to be had, one being the control subject and one being the experiment which leads us into our next episode where Big Jim and Christine will square off in a giant bird cage match. Oh my, that sounds a lot like an episode of Undercover Boss. It could be. (laughs) Because here we got the two leaders in town, which is where we're going to start off tonight with Big Jim and Christine. They're, They're the ones that are, it's my town, my rules, and we have to get the people together and do their jobs and be a community. So now the town has no leader. Because Barbie can't be a leader. He's beating women. And Julia can't be a leader because she's trying to figure out what the heck just happened with the two people she was kidnapping and working with and whatever. And so the the town's going to be in disarray for the next two weeks, I think. Total anarchy under the dome. So did you like the fact that we had Big Jim actually try to be a car salesman this week and kind of twist things around in order to delay getting some information and then... Of course, as a good car salesman is, he didn't actually have the goods to deliver when he got down to it. <laughs> I did actually like that. He, he was doing his best to uh, sell the undercoating uh, to those folks there. And I, Big Jim, that's the best part of Under the Dome. And the fact that for the most part, they're also doing a pretty good job of having us <laughs> For whatever reason, we're rooting for Julia Shumway now. Everybody else, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the big gym sales job, nicely done. He is a true professional. Yeah, and that's one thing that I really like, I think, that so far this season. I mean, some of the episodes have been decent in parts. Some of the episodes have been a little bit of a stretch in parts. But I really actually like 
uh, Rochelle Lefebvre doing her character this season more than the first two because she's really taking on, again, that leadership role, that reporter role, and the fact that she's actually still skeptical of Big Jim. I really like the they go to find the camera, and she's like, do you ever tell the truth? But, yet, <laughs> yeah. it, but then she's like, uh, well, yeah, I guess you're the only one I can trust, so we're going to have to team up and figure this out anyway. And then they all go MacGyverish in order for her to break in to get to the computer by blowing up the boat. I thought this was actually a really well done scene. I'm actually enjoying Big Jim, Julia, and Acteon a lot more than I am joining, uh, enjoying uh, Barbie, Nori, Joe, and the rest of the Millers. Oh my goodness, that is the understatement of the year, Troy. So what? Let's let's say we rewrote this, right? We just heard the remake this movie, re- remake this movie, right? Promo. Uh, if we had to rewrite this story. How do we think we could do more with Acteon? What would, what would be some things that you would interject into the story? I would see more of Acteon's headquarters and the behind the scenes things. You know how some shows, they'll show us what some of the evil plans are, us, the audience. But the characters on the show don't get to know this, at least for a few more episodes. So I'd like a lot of the behind the scenes things so that we can know the truth and what's really going on at least three episodes before the characters on the show. Yeah, I would like to see the whole tie-in between the real estate company for Maxine. We we actually talked about it in season two, how there was that plot of land in like, downtown Zenith that all of a sudden Acteon's going to be building a new building. There has to be some ties that start bringing this stuff together. And I would actually really like, we said it from like day one, it's like, wouldn't it be great if we had a whole season outside the dome? And we mm-hmm. kind of got that in season two, but it'd be really great to see like other stuff happening. Maybe these other meteor sites, the North Dakota, maybe Alaska. There's got to be residual effects happening in other places. And why is it that this is the only place that the dome exists? Is it because it was a fully intact egg? Exactly, Troy. In fact, in Zenith, there really needed to be a lot more than just the door that led to the underground lake passageway or whatever's going on there, as well as Barbie's dad's home. And that tall building that mostly just seemed to have a painting class in it. There should have been a lot more and maybe there still could be. So let's talk about Acteon. So they've hired Christine Price to be this anthropologist. We assume she was not an alien before she touched the egg and then got the download. But what was interesting was the story that she was talking about with Ava. I believe it was in the second episode or third episode of the season when she was talking about when they were in North Dakota looking for the shards So had part of the process already started in North Dakota? Was she already an alien at that point? And then she got the rest of the download from the egg when she found it. That's the one big question for me this season is when did she fully become this other entity? Was it before she got to Chester's Mill or was it when she got to Chester's Mill? What do you think? I don't know if we're ever going to find out or if they even have an intention of touching on that. I just chalk it up to what they were kind of talking about in the Acteon footage that in this part makes no sense to me, but many things on the show don't. So I'm just going to go with it. Okay, Troy, where they said that for whatever reason, whoever touches the egg first becomes like the leader. I don't know how or why that happens. So I was assuming that maybe she touched one of the eggs first, maybe even this egg in Chester's mill. And that started her whole downward spiral, whereas most everybody else is semi-impervious into becoming a uh, goopy cougar. 
Well, and that's the one thing that was frustrating. So we watched this video, right? Now, I, I don't understand why you needed the two-shot of the video. <laughs> no, no. You just needed Very the security camera got the, at the top of the roof would have been fine. But why the shot from the bottom? That was a little weird. Um, but so if this leader, if they're the leader, why jump off the roof? Which tells you that they didn't have enough of whatever it is in them. So it was almost maybe driving them crazy. And that's why they decided to kill themselves. And then the other two lemmings followed, taking the leap of faith. So if they only got shards in North Dakota, then why would Christine still technically be intact? Wouldn't have Christine tried to off herself long before she got to Chester's mill. You would think that she would have, but another thing about that scene that jumped into, into my head was how they just kind of jumped off that building. It didn't really look like they were trying to commit suicide, just that they were jumping off the building. It reminded me of the end uh, or beginning whenever it was when, folks in Chester's mill made it through the locker to the underground cave area. And they knew that if they jumped off, they could successfully live and end up in that playground in Zenith. So just the way they were jumping off just reminded me of, you know, Phil Bushy and others just jumping off that cliff, hoping and having faith that they would end up safe. I don't know. Oh, that's actually a really good thought though, because what if when they were walking on that roof, they actually saw something else. Maybe, Almost. maybe that's what drew them off the edge. Yeah, it could have been like a, a bad L, you know, LSD trip or something. Something. That's a, I, I like that, actually. That's a really good point to bring up. They have to keep that in mind and see if we see any more footage from the Acteon computers in any way, shape, or form. I want to see it. Yeah, so let's go to Ava and Barbie. Okay, so now Barbie <laughs> is sitting there talking to Ava. She, he knocks on the door. Oh, I was hoping it was you. They sit down and... You know, what did Julia think when you punched the wall? <laughs> like, like, what do you think she thought? Like, get the hell out of here. You almost punched me in the face. And yet she knows that he's done this. And as a woman, wouldn't you like run for fear from this guy? Why would you console him? And then, of course, you have the typical Barbie moment of, oh, I can't. I can't deal with you people that don't just openly talk to me and open your feelings and tell me everything. And you just storms off like a little baby. <laughs> That was so, so bizarre, Troy. Um, one of two things with, with Ava, either she is so focused on whatever her plan and manipulation is supposed to be that she's going to overlook these violent tendencies that, that Barbie's having, especially lately, or she has a serious case of codependency that no matter how bad Barbie gets, she just can't quit him. <laughs> That's a good point. So with Nori, though, snapping out of it, as our dome provoking question was when Ava then gets yelled at by Barbie for not being openly truthful and stuff. Do you think that maybe that was a trigger point for her, some kind of emotional pain that starts to let that bond between Christine and Ava start to break a little bit, much like Nori was able to snap out of it? Is this Ava's first attempt of snapping out of it, do you think? It very well could be. She flip-flopped, like I mentioned earlier, quite a few times. And I don't know if things are just setting her off or if she's just not focused on which way she wants to go. But I'm going to go with what you said, Troy, and that uh, something is causing her to slowly start snapping out of it. And I'm, I'm hoping that's the way it's going to go. Well, their other two lovebirds have fully snapped out of it. Uh, they're basically having a you know typical lazy day, laying in the sun, enjoying the weather, under the dome in Chester's mill. And they basically have a conversation where 
it's it's short of a marriage proposal, I think, at this point, where it's like, okay, uh, I, I swear that you'll protect me, Joe, and uh, if these uh, crazy zombie-dyed people ever attack me, uh, or I become one of them, uh, just kill me now. <laughs> it's been three weeks, Nori, and you didn't even want to be stuck in this town at first. <laughs> so, I love uh, you, Joe. I, I love you, Joe. Joe. <laughs> Joe's like, huh? <laughs> After after he just got done like yelling at her like way to ruin a perfectly good day I love you uh, I I have no clue <laughs> three weeks three weeks uh, and remember it, this is also three weeks but it's also a year that she was actually living another life and wanting to be with Hunter exactly so that's why it's still just three weeks of Joe and Nori whereas it was a whole year with uh, computer guy. Yep, Hori, as we were calling him. Hor- oh, boy. The horror. <laughs> oh, man. And then, of course, we have Sam and Abby. Oh, boy. This relationship, I I don't know what to make of it other than maybe it was literally set up for this particular episode to showcase what Christine's power of manipulation could be and how she's so gifted and crafty with it, almost even better than Big Jim in a lot of ways. That's the only thing I could think of why this story existed was to get to this episode. And now that story doesn't matter anymore. The question will become, of course, will Sam continue being on the, on the sauce or will he actually go off the sauce now that this tragedy has happened? Well, I can definitely say that Sam and Abby equals hashtag dysfunctional. (laughs) I mean, the fact that she had just barely finished trying to kill herself by hanging with a rope. She still has the rope burns. Sam gets all amorous and oh my, and drunk. So I don't know. I would not be surprised if next week, if if they even have a funeral for Abby, Sam will miraculously be back to semi-normal, but creepy. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about like the season one funerals. <laughs> I miss those days. <laughs> I know these days I haven't seen a funeral on the show for who knows how long. Uh, well, yeah, it'll, and here's the thing I don't understand. So. She gives her the pills and wouldn't the pills be enough to kill you? Why do you have to drown yourself in the bathtub? And by the way, where's, where'd the water come from? (laughs) In fact, you would think there's a severe water shortage in Chester's mill under the dome. It's very hard to say, but uh, wow. Abby was way pushed over the edge and Christine a little too harsh in some of the things that she said to Abby. I know. And as the tub is overflowing, I was waiting for Christine to show up and actually give her line like, well, that was very wasteful of a precious resource. Yes, or hold her head underwater just to make extra sure. Oh, man. I tell you. the um, So it'll be interesting to see how Sam processes this and what goes on next with his character. Because so far, uh, Sam's character has just been kind of a, a background non-player so far ever since the four hands are no longer needed. Other than killing the most talented actress that was on the show season one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But we understand the actress got much bigger movie deals in the works. But still, Sam, Sam, Sam. So Christine and Junior, we start off the episode with them, you know, going for round two. Oh, my goodness. And as that's happening, they more oxytocin is being shared. So literally, he has become the puppet of Christine for the most part. And then we have the blinking lights that we talked about. <laughs> the, the amethyst goes out. And because of that, the 
amniotic fluid is drying up. And because of that, the dome is going to calcify. And because of that, we're all going to suffocate. Oh my, us, the viewers, or the people in Chester's Mill. Wow. I, I just, you recounted that very, very well, Troy. The, the Christine and Junior, it's like goopy, creepy, a little too much over the line for regular TV. Like, I don't, I don't know what to go with this. This is the first thing I thought of is that they're, they're sitting there and they're going for round two. And it almost reminds me of those like times when you see these commercials or shows or whatever, and people are, are doing the thing. And the guy is watching like sports on TV while it's happening. <laughs> She's more worried about the amethyst crystals disappearing than what's actually taking place right in front of her. Oh, hashtag KY from space. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, but apparently, yes, now Christine does have a fully gooped up lap dog that can basically lead him around on a leash. And we find out later in the episode that that's exactly what happens when you have the whole zombies trying to attack uh, Joe and Nori as they are trying to escape from the town hall building. Yeah, I kind of thought that uh, Nori and Joe would be meeting their demise right there in the hallway. So let's talk about the Millers. (laughs) It's almost like it's a family next door. (laughs) The Millers and Hunter. So Hunter and the Millers are all in this trance. I mean, Hunter clearly looked like he was even wearing contacts or something to make him look like a zombie this week as he's serving the goop. And then he comes to the house and he's up on the roof. So when he falls off the roof and then lands on the ground and then finally comes to, it almost seems if Hunter snapped out of it, like he's the Hunter of old all of a sudden, even though he was kind of blaming, you know, the fact that Nori was pushed and everything. Do you think that he has snapped out of it or do you think he's still under the influence? I was just more concerned whether or not he may have just physically snapped and moved on to another realm. Well, it, it didn't. I thought at first, like the fall was actually a lot farther than it was, but then seeing how far the fall was and then how he landed or was laid there from the shot perspective for the camera angle, yeah, I was like, okay, he's not dead because otherwise he would have truly had more, you know, blood pool underneath of him if he was actually going to be dead, dead. So mm, good point. I, I'm curious to find out though, like what is his role going to be going forward? Is he still going to be zombie hunter or if he's going to be more old school hunter? He's going to still be kind of annoying if he's alive in one way or another. But uh, it, if that doesn't snap you out of some sort of uh, space cougar uh, days, nothing will. And then of course the Millers are all zombies. And, and the question now becomes, are they, do they stay zombies because of the close proximity to the leader or is it because as long as they're close proximity to each other, almost like they are still connected to this underground subterranean <laughs> amniotic fluid system, but they're just kind of like, it's like almost pheromones or hormones, like excreting like estrogen off of their bodies and they're being attracted to each other. Do you think that's maybe how the collective stays together? Very likely, because there's definitely something in the air or in the sky or in their blood that nobody's acting normal (laughs) because of this. And so nobody is safe, especially the red shirts. But uh, I think you've got a much uh, more advanced grasp on what's happening with these pheromones than than I do. Well, talking about bonding again. Let's talk about Jim and the dog. Now, apparently we do need to watch the show with closed captioning because after the second watch, 
we did confirm that the dog's name is Indy, which was a joke, of course, off of Indiana Jones, because Indiana Jones was named after the dog in the movies in The Last Crusade. And so he's talking to Indy. Indy's a big part of this episode after being completely absent last episode, which we're all nervous that Acteon may have gotten the dog. And then, of course, here we have Acteon actually get the dog, and we have a very tense scene right at the end of the episode where I I almost thought they were actually going to go through it and kill the dog in the other room. I did, too. Although I have a feeling if they would have done that, it would have at least been off camera. But uh, I thought they were going to make a very bold statement, but apparently not just yet. If this was still on Showtime instead of CBS, they would have killed the dog. Oh, not Indy. I like Indy. Do you like the fact that they actually gave Indy to Big Jim in the cage, though? Yeah. What I like about that is it shows that Acteon does have a little bit of a heart. They're not completely soulless people. And they really just want to find the egg because they want it for the power source. So they're willing to, you know, figure out what's going on there. So the dog, eh, whatever, let him have it, you know? Um, so I, I thought that was good. It's really interesting to see the dynamic between Jim and the dog uh, develop. Even Julia was like, well, that's like the nicest person you've ever treated under this thing. <laughs> well, there still could be that uh, theory that a, a listener first told us about that maybe the dog is channeling his uh, dead wife or, or someone else. But uh, yeah, the dog is man's best friend. He's awfully nice. He loves Jim more than most of the other humans in, in Chester's Mill. So why wouldn't Jim love the dog back? It's the only person that's actually listened to Jim, right? So that's why Jim loves the dog. Everybody else is trying to go up against them. And he's just like, Indy, stay, stay. Good boy. <laughs> and if more people in the town listen to Big Jim like Indy does, we wouldn't have quite a complicated mess right now. That's right. The show could have been over after season one. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Well, I know you teased that you were kind of working on some major theory during the reaction cast a, a few nights ago. So I, I've been like dying, waiting to hear this grand thing that you have come up with. Like, oh literally on the edge of my seat. No, goodness. don't be on the edge of your seat and don't build it up too much. It does have holes in the theory that I'm still trying to fill. But then again, there's holes all over the Chester's Mill storyline that they're trying to fill as well. But so you're on the edge of your seat. You're secured. I'm wondering what if, I mean, what if the alternate reality that everyone except for Big Jim and Julia experienced this alternate reality, what if that is the actual true reality and everything else? And I mean, everything else turns out to be the fabrication. Oh, so instead of the people that we're talking about, maybe they're still dreaming, like Inception in the Inception in the Inception kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You're thinking that when they were actually in the cocoons, they were experiencing real life. And what now we're all witnessing as the show is actually... The dream. Exactly. Or egg. Exactly. And even though there are plot holes in this uh, theory, it's just a what if thing I'm throwing out there because it could explain a lot of things. And a lot of the stuff that was going on while they were in this quote unquote alternate reality made a lot more sense than what's going on now that they're quote unquote out of it. That's a really good point because... (laughs) In order to explain all of the crazy crap that's been going on and why it's so random, it's almost like if you have, like, you're thinking about uh, tornadoes and a snake and a what and a whatever, 
And then all of a sudden you have the Tasmanian devil, which is shaped like a snake coming at you with a pile of dirt <laughs> in your dream state. So that makes perfect sense. Like this is really the dream state because everything just doesn't tie together. So the only way to tie together is to make it fabricated. There you have it. Just something to keep your eye on. Ah, I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Well, it's that time of the show where we get into Big Jim's fun this week. Uh, last week, we actually said Big Denial, and I don't remember what the other one was, and neither did you, because Big Denial actually won 75% of the vote. Uh, that scene right at the end when Julia and him are confronting each other in the dark, and then Julia shoots, of course, the Acteon guy in the shoulder. So this week, uh, the first clip comes from the scene when he's with Indy, and him and Julia are trying to break into the Acteon house on Bird Island. One more step. I just looked left. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell you, great lines from Big Jim. And just for clarity, if in case you didn't see the episode and you're just listening to the podcast, the dog, even though he whined, was not blown up in that in that clip. Thank (laughs) goodness. And what's the hashtag that's going to go along with that one if people say that that is the Big Jim Quippy line of the week? That, of course, would be hashtag Big Sucka, S-U-C-K-A, <laughs> as the closed captioning actually wrote it down. <laughs> Big Sucka, ah, with an A. Oh, my goodness. And what kind of competition does hashtag Big Sucka have this week, Troy? Well, of course, if you don't remember from season one, from our great throwback Thursday posts on Twitter, make sure you follow us over there at UTD Radio Podcast for all the fun. We said, hey, remember Big Jim? He was a car salesman at one time, wasn't he? Indeed. And Maggot Auto Reading. It's Christine. Not in the end. Where is it, Mr. Rennie? Let me tell you something about being a car salesman, Doc. If you want something... You gotta be willing to trade. So you want that egg? Better give us some answers. Which, of course, leads into the, uh, what answers do you want? Uh, I want to know about Alaska. You're going to ask about the new thing. Not the stuff that we've, like, wanted to know for the last three years. No, you're going to ask about the new thing. Great, thanks. And for any other information, he's going to have to go leave the room and talk to his manager for a moment. Exactly. (laughs) Hashtag big sell, S-E-L-L, hashtag big sell. So again, big sucka, big sell. You can vote on Twitter, vote from our show notes page under the domeradio.com slash 58 for this episode, or we're actually loading up these clips onto Clamor. So if you're listening and following us there, also at UTD Radio Podcast, you can vote right from the Clamor as well. Very nice that you threw in that, that particular twist. Ah, yes, yes. Get people to use the tool so we can have more fun. It's all about the fun. And if I could just keep talking like Big Jim, just real quiet and persuasive, like. I'm already thinking of a clamor where we can use the, uh, the I'm going to get you, sucker" line <laughs> and mash it up with Big Jim's voice. There's got to be many, many ways. What do you uh, think overall of this episode? Because you sounded extra giddy, not only last night, Troy, on the initial reactions episode, our reaction cast, but even tonight, uh, recapping some of the scenes. Yeah, I really enjoyed where Christine used her 
double talk, her wits, her smarts. I know a lot of people aren't digging the character all that much this year, but I know that Big Jim had very much this same mentality in season one. So I'm I'm glad to see that type of character back again. And the fact that she's her manipulation tactics are just so smooth and so crisp in order to pull it off. I mean, granted, it is written that way, but at the same time, I, I almost bought it a couple times that she's actually talking about it. Uh, I, I still like the uh, zombie effect with uh, Junior and him being a little bit crazy, as I mentioned on the reaction cast. And I actually really like Julia, you know, being able to walk into the office and pull out the gun and be like, all right, let's go get in my car to the Prius. <laughs> so just, just because we had a Prius sighting alone, I gave this one seven out of 10 lemming lords a leaping. Oh, my goodness. Do you think Big Jim sold them that uh, Prius? I'm sure he did. <laughs> Seven out of ten Lemming Lords a leaping? Wow, Troy. I'm going to give this episode a four in honor of Brett Favre week. Four out of ten new Moonza staring. Ah, nice. We could have a concert here later on. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go through the whole 12 days of Chester's Mill. And that's about how long Julia and Barbie were dating. 12 days. That's true. More or less. That's totally true. So I think that averages out to a five and a half for Alaska. There you have it. <laughs> and well, with that, we want to remind you that the job market is getting more competitive in Chester's mill all the time. We've got new characters this season. We've got deaths happening from badly built buildings and all of those things. It all equals out to the fact that you need extra skills to stay ahead of the competition and that's where lynda.com comes to the rescue. Although they can't get you out of the dome just yet, if you visit lynda.com slash dome, that's lynda.com slash dome, you're going to get 10 days of free learning. You can jumpstart a new skill or master whatever you're good at right now and make it great. For example, Acteon almost had a major security breach, leaving their computer completely unintended for Julia to explore. If only they had actually taken the IT security fundamentals by Mike D class, they would have never been in the pickle to have explained what Alaska was all about. There are also cases on cloud security and ethical hacking in case you want to go around those security measures once they're put in place. Great advice, Troy. So visit lynda.com slash dome. You can get access to over 3,000 video courses taught by other expert teachers on any device you wish, even if you have one of those Microsoft Surface tablets like we saw earlier on Under the Dome. But most importantly, citizens of Chester's Mill, you can watch them offline as well with an annual premium membership because what if Acteon messes with the internet or the power again? You want to be able to see it offline. So start your 10-day learning journey at lynda.com slash dome. That's lynda.com slash dome. Try it free today. And with that, it's our time to all huddle up together as close as we can in the 10 cities or in the dorms. It's funny. Big Jim almost actually knew that right away in season one. We're all in this together. And because of that, we need you to give us a call at plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine as we go on location with our first caller this week. Uh, one, Mr. Hank Davis. Hi, guys. This is Hank Davis from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan podcast and Falling Skies fan podcast located at tpenetwork.com. One thing I've done to help me watch this show and not get so frustrated about certain issues with the show 
is I now look at this show as a nighttime soap opera. By doing that, it really helps me not get so frustrated with how they do the storyline and with all the, quote, shipping pairings that they're putting into this season. Because now I just look at it like a soap opera. And and I think a lot of soap operas don't take themselves too seriously. So watching in that manner has really helped me enjoy the show a lot more. I'm not a huge pet person, but I absolutely loved the scene where the leverage on Big Jim, who has killed who knows how many people, is a dog he just recently met. I loved that. I thought that was so much fun because at certain points of the series, I feel like I don't even think Junior would be enough leverage to get him to talk in some situations. So it was great to see him flip out and really want to keep that dog that he just met. Throughout the episode, I kept asking myself, why did we want the old Nori back again? And lastly, I know you guys watch Falling Skies and can confirm this, but there are a lot of plot points from this season of Under the Dome that took place last season on Falling Skies. Christine reminds me of Lexi when Lexi was in Chinatown. It's just interesting how they borrow so much from Falling Skies. I had a lot of fun with this episode, and I hope they ramp it up for the rest of the season and just put it on 11, and maybe if we just don't take everything so seriously, maybe we'll have a lot more fun. Great podcast, guys. I love tuning in every week to both episodes. Keep up the great work. Ladies and gentlemen, the future voice of NFL Films, Mr. Hank Davis, thank you so much for that and the very kind words. What do you think about the excellent points Hank brought up, Troy? I almost forgot about Lexi in season four of Falling Skies myself because it was Lexi and it was the Star Child, and we all know how we felt about that if you were a Falling Skies fan. But it was an excellent comparison that that is exactly what happened on Falling Skies last season. We all need to stay here. We all need to be nonviolent. We all need to do the good of the group or the goop or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it is kind of hip to be uh, recycling, so why not? Oh, my goodness. That, that, that comparison will not get out of my head now because it was so blatantly obvious and I can't believe I missed it. <laughs> well, that's because Barbie played the role of Captain Obvious this week, not me. <laughs> Absolutely. And Hank brought up a great point, And thanks for bringing it up, Hank, that maybe just don't take it serious. I mean, I'll tell you what, Troy, we definitely don't take things serious here on the Under the Dome Radio podcast. Well, it's like the Joker always said, right? Why so serious? Ooh, kind of spooky. We don't need to take anything seriously because it's just for fun. It's entertainment. If you're entertained and we all get to hang out in our wonderful Miller community, then we are good to go. Show business. Well, Kathy tweeted out to us and said, I think Christine thinks she knows what the Dome wants. But Julia is the monarch, not Christine, who hasn't lost faith in the Dome just yet. So this is a very interesting topic because I don't know if we really know who the monarch actually is. Because what we don't know is we still don't know who are the ghosts, who made them happen, why is the Dome there. We think we know what the Dome is for because we saw the preview uh, after the episode for Alaska, but... Like, is the dome connected to the species? Is the species connected to the dome? Is the dome something else? I still say third party faction, maybe two alien races fighting, which of course would also tie into falling skies. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> and with this likely being the final season of under the dome, 
I think this third faction needs to make an appearance pretty dang soon as this season rolls on, Troy. I would agree. Now, Mark said, great show last night. I can't believe I was actually worried about what would happen to Big Jim. Yeah, because guess what? Mark is a book reader just like us. After reading the book, I never thought it would ever be possible for Big Jim to be a likable character. I also think the dog's name was actually Indy, which we did say we messed up on, which could be an Indiana Jones reference, which it absolutely was. It's short for uh, independent also in that both Big Jim and the dog are out of their town. Hmm. Very well put, Mark. Thank you for that. And thanks for setting us straight because I thought it was Mindy or Andy or who knows, like we talked about last night. But excellent points. And the fact that uh, Big Jim is likable to any degree. Yeah, if you've read the Stephen King book Under the Dome, you would be as shocked as Mark. Well, you know, and that's what we said. Is the book going to be different when the show started and we started the podcast, you know, two and a half years ago? And I can say that this is the one twist about the book that I'm actually really, really excited about. The fact that we got a little bit different Big Jim right out of the get-go. We got a little bit of the crazy Big Jim at the end of season two. And now here we have the uh, Big Jim's the only one that knows what's really going on. And we're rooting for Big Jim. And in that teaser, it looks like Big Jim is going to be helping out the team. So I I think this is a a really great twist. And I hope Steven is happy with that twist and change. Well, and it reminds me way back, Troy, when we did the first couple episodes of Under the Dome Radio before the series aired on CBS, and we were mostly talking about the book. And I remember mentioning to you that, wow, reading this book, there was only like one or two characters in the entire book, which was 30 hours long. Only one or two characters that I cared about in the least. I was hoping that Everybody was going to die, and most everybody did, because they were just a bunch of unlikable people. And I think that's kind of how we are right now. There might be, what, maybe two characters now that we want to save, which would be Big Jim, the dog, and maybe Joe. And (laughs) this is very true, though they're unlikable for other reasons on the show than in the book. In the book, everybody was just violent, evil nut jobs, basically. (laughs) Great way to put it. We got another caller here again, plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine. Or as Aaron Arnett Jr. said last week, you can use the SpeakPipe app. If you download that on your phone, then you can use the giant red voicemail button right on our website to send in your feedback to the podcast. As I believe Aaron Arnett Jr. himself is up next. Ah, oh, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking, and uh, we've got a little review of Under the Dome coming up here on the, on the, your left side and uh, on your right side as well if you're using headphones. Uh, let me tell you something right now. Uh, I can't believe we started out this episode with the disgusting scene revisited and gone around a second time with Christine and Junior there. I was very disgusted. Uh, weather looks good here on Under the Dome. Uh, we also uh, had Barbie... They were beating uh, that other guy, even though I thought, oh, uh, they've got a military connection there. Sounds really good. They got a military connection. Uh, no, uh, Barbie killed the heck out of that guy. Uh, also, I, I thought it was very uh, great that Hunter uh, was so generous. He's working in a soup kitchen now. That's very generous of him. Good of him to get back on his feet uh, after being dumped by Nori. But uh, guess what? Then he gets knocked off the roof and starts to blame Nori and Joe. Uh, uh, what's that? Uh, Roger that. 
Uh, and, uh, we, you know, I, I think it's uh, disgraceful that uh, there's a, a whole beehive or butterfly hive mentality, if you will. Uh, it looks like we got a shattered egg under the dome. Shattered egg from Big Jim. Uh, that's right, Big Jim shattered the egg. But the uh, good news is he got his dog back. That's right, he got his dog back. And I can't believe that uh, we're in a situation now where uh, Big Jim is stuck in a bird cage on Bird Island. Although, I guess that's why it was called Bird Island in, in the first place. Uh, that was very uh, striking. And uh, that's just about all we have on uh, Under the Dome. What's that? There, oh, there's... Looks like there's a... What is that up ahead? Oh, it's a... That's a dome! No! no, no pull up! Oh no, Aaron Arnett Jr., come back. Oh no, I fear for his safety because that was quite an abrupt ending to an awesome voicemail. And he even took out a couple seconds to let us know that the weather looks good out there. That's right. <laughs> on, the, on the left and the right, if you're wearing headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Which at the moment I am, but earlier I wasn't. So it's Aaron, thank you so much, and I I hope you're safe, and we hear from you very, very soon. Great points and reminding us about some of the very creepy things that happened in this episode. My favorite line, though, Hunter was working the soup kitchen. <laughs> and I don't think he's very good at it. No, he's just kind of like, uh, plop, and it's like, hello, lunch lady. <laughs> and wiping his hands on his apron. and Ugh, Gross. After Very he was gross. swimming in the methane-filled lake and trying to nookie with Nori. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you don't need that kind of person making your food. Let me just tell you. But, uh, Aaron, very much appreciated. Always something new and exciting and different coming in for you. Now, we also um, got a message from Lynn on, uh, I believe this was on Facebook. And Lynn said, okay, so the dome is there to protect them from what is going to come, right? And Christine also said they were protecting themselves. We know there's going to be a meteor storm. What if they are not meteors? Actually, they are a second alien species trying to kill the egg beings. In which case, if the aliens hadn't come here, then Chester's Mill wouldn't need protecting. And what if the crystals going out in the caves is actually a countdown? Also, if Christine is trying to save her quote-unquote people who inhabit the humans, why the heck is she killing people? Surely by doing this, she is killing some of her own. Oh, Lynn, that is great. And along the same lines of what we talked about, there might be that third faction coming to kill the egg beings, Troy. That's right. The pink stars still need to fall because they've only gone up for three seasons. We need pink stars to fall down from the sky. That's generally what falling is, is down. And so, yeah, when they finally, we got to see the pink stars in those visions at the end of season one, I'm like, why are they going up? What the heck? So those are excellent points. Lynn, we have to keep an eye out to see what might be happening there. And Emily posted, even though I spend a good three plus hours every week listening to various Under the Dome podcasts and all of us Under the Dome podcasters, thank you for that. Emily still cannot figure out the legitimacy of Abby drowning herself in the bathtub with a a little bit of help from Christine's non-happy pills, of course. I could have sworn, Emily says, that the plumbing and running water had been ixnayed a while ago. I'm totally prepared to be wrong here. I just saw the water running in Abby's bathtub and went, what? Seems like the town folk would be all over that if they knew that a few houses left standing had running water. 
you could almost say that they'd come running and lap up the water like dogs. <laughs> they may still do that. And if they're kind, they'll move Abby's body out of the way first. Yeah, they'll just put her out on the porch next to Andreas. Oh, these people are driving me crazy in Chester's Mill. But very valid points, Emily. What is going on here? Oh, man. Yeah, we have to figure this out. This this seems like a giant plot hole. We I mentioned it. I'm glad someone else picked up on it. That, yeah, the, the bathtub running water, I thought we were trying to wait for it to rain from the lake, and then we had to do the acid reversal process from Rebecca Pine in order to make the lake actually be drinkable again. And Oh, boy. The, the water tower was destroyed. So where, where, where is this plumbing coming from? Is this all from Ollie's well still? Who knows what magical system is bringing them water. But like you talked about previously, Troy, with the fact that we've got the whole town almost camped out in the quad or whatever you want to call it with their tents, even though there's open space everywhere. I don't even remember more than, you know, a couple houses burned down. The shrinking dome may have took out another two or three homes. But I got the impression that most of the rest of the town is still intact and why not just stay in your own building with or without running water? I mean, there were some houses that were destroyed with the dome trunk and crunched. So I think the the collectiveness of everybody, again, is because of the proximity to the leader, I think is the key that you have to be together in order to keep the goop uh, under the influence, I guess. And it gives you the best view of the night sky when there might may or may not be a moon up there. We had one other caller, the new caller. This is Ben, and he actually uh, just binge watched like all of season two and caught up on season three, so he could leave us this voicemail. Hey guys, it's Ben, Ben Avery from Welcome to Level Seven at WelcomeToLevel7.com, dot com, where we are the unofficial podcast about Marvel's Agents of Shield and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and also part of the Noodle Mix Network, along with you guys. And I. You know, I started watching season one and liked it, and then I watched the first two episodes of season two, and I lost track because summer happened last summer. And so I, I'm just now catching up. I binge-watched the rest of season two, and I'm now caught up with season three. And I have to say, I have a couple problems and a couple things that I like about the show, but I, I'm just going to jump in and just say right now, at least at the beginning of the series, I thought I knew where things were going, as in I knew what questions I needed to be asking. I was, how are they going to get out, of the do- out from under the dome? What is the dome? And are they going to be able to survive with each other? Or will they have to fight against each other? I mean, I'm just looking for something. I'm looking for good man against man or man against nature or man against God. You know, But I'm looking for those classic conflicts that you find in good storytelling. And I don't necessarily say, you know, you need to give me every single answer right now, but I at least want to know what the questions are that I'm supposed to be asking. And the only question I'm asking right now is, where is this going? What does this even mean? And I, 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 this is not a theory so much as just an idea, but I'm, I'm watching this show and I'm thinking to myself, the only way that this could really all make sense with all of the different character inconsistencies and plot twists that don't make any sense or dropped plot elements is if, and this is not, again, not a theory, but if they came to me and said, Hey, Ben, you're a writer. Why don't you go ahead and, um, you know, finish the story from what we give you right here. And, And that would be like, if the dome turned out to actually be Stephen King's head, you know, and this is just his, he's just writing the story as it comes out. And you could actually have this, uh, you know, the, the big conflict at the end being the characters rising up against him, uh, you know, as as he's trying to tell the story that he's 
he's telling or or whatever, and then they rise up against him, and and they, you know, he. That, that, I think there there could be some interesting drama there, and and it would take into account all the things, and the inconsistencies would actually be a part of the story. Although I will say some of the character in, inconsistencies that we are seeing do tend to be right now. I think a part of the story, in that they're all brainwashed. I mean, what is that all about? I thought. You know that that opening two parter of of this season. I had no idea that's where they were going to go. As a two parter episode, as a one, it reminded me of like a two hour long Twilight Zone, and it works in that way. It just seems like a really weird left turn to take. And then now we're getting into all this brainwashing stuff and the the goo that causes people to you know obey this the leader or or whatever. And you have all the people jumping off buildings like perfect stuntmen jumping so that they're going to land on their back on the, the little poofy pillow thing. Uh, it just what I want to see is I want to see conflict. I do, but I want to see it make sense. And for for me right now, I I just want to know what are the questions I should be asking in order for me to enjoy this show. I want to know what should I be be thinking about. Where is this going? And it's just all these different factions just popping up here and there, and the community is in trouble. But I don't care because I don't care about anyone in the community, and it just. There's a little bit of frustration, but again, I think I understand why people are sticking with the show even when they're not liking it, and that's the potential. They're asking these questions, they're bringing up these ideas, they're follow through on some of the ideas, like the you know how does it affect you if if you live a year of life in you know a headspace if you're a brain in a jar. That happened, and so how does that affect you when you come out of it and realize it didn't happen? But emotionally, it did, and mentally, it did. And as far as your memories are concerned, it did happen. So, anyway, I'm I enjoy elements of the show, and I enjoy enough elements of the show that I want to stick with it. I do like some of the characters. I like Sam. I think that's that they've got some interesting things going on with that character. But the bottom line here is, I'm sticking with it now. I've stuck with it by binge watching that second season, and if I can do that, I can do anything. I think. <laughs> so that's the, the, this is Ben Avery. Thank you for playing my message. I kind of rambled, I guess, but you know, I have a lot to talk about cause I've been, you know, watching this show, uh, on and off for a pretty condensed period of time. And so yeah, visit me at welcome to level seven.com. And I'd love to talk about Marvel's agents of shield and all of the Marvel cinematic universe, like Ant-Man, which I just went and saw Ant-Man is pretty good. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking time to, to listen to the ramblings of a of an old man. Ben Avery, thanks so much. New caller there. A uh, little long, but that's okay because he had a lot to say because, man, season two binge. I, I don't know about that one, Wayne. That would be hard to do. But Ben going real deep in his call there, bringing up some great things that we should be asking. He wants to ask some questions. If we can just figure out what questions to ask, we need to do that before we even start looking for the answers. And I thought that was very profound. And it makes me wonder, what questions should we be asking? He brought up some great points. Well, I thought we just got done saying that we weren't going to take the show seriously and do, treat it more like a soap opera so that we could just enjoy it for what it is. Now you actually want it to make sense and have answers and questions and stuff? Well, I I thought Ben brought up great things. And Ben, thank you again for recording that. Very well done. And uh uh, plug there for Ant-Man. That, uh, I need to get out to the theater one of these days. But back to Under the Dome. Bringing in kind of a little aspect from part of the Dark Tower without 
getting too spoilery, bringing in the Stephen King's head. And what if the people of Chester's Mill rise up against Stephen King? I, I thought that was a great, great idea when I heard that. And it almost kind of lines up with your crazy theory that you just launched uh, this evening, which was the what if the current situation is the dream and the pod state was real? So in that case, maybe this is just like all being thought up. And then Stephen King goes, oh, hey, let's just have a uh, asthmatic skateboarder kid. And boom, Ben's back. (laughs) (laughs) That's how things can get mixed into the show that don't necessarily make any sense whatsoever. And they just happen like Nori's mom on vacation this week somewhere. You would think she would be concerned about her daughter, but uh, she's got something else going on. Maybe Stephen King's brain will just have her uh, appear next week or in the season uh, three finale. Right. She's in the premiere, so she'll be in the finale. That's how it works. And it was great to get all of these voicemails this week. And both uh, Ben Avery as well as Hank Davis, they're going to be very busy this fall with uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returning because that thing's really picking up steam and the whole Marvel universe is going gangbusters. Well, I think I I have to say that I'm going to actually recommend Ben as the new caller for the Under the Dome Honorary Guest DJ of the Week, not because it was his first time calling in, but because I think he gave me some actual life lessons that I can take going forward, that if I can survive season two of Under the Dome, I can pretty much do anything. (laughs) There's that. And he made an interesting point about he kind of likes the character of Sam and Ben. I think you may be the first person that I've ever heard say that. So props. Yeah, we got to talk to Ben a little bit more often to see what he's seeing that we're not seeing. But I mean, I like the show. I, you know, there there are some things that you're just kind of like, man, if you could only just execute it better, it would just be so much better. And I hope that with what we saw, and we'll talk about it more in the spoiler section, that if they execute it the way they sold it, then it's great. If they executed it like a, if they sold it like a big Jim uh, sales carman kind of thing, man, it's going to be really frustrating for these last six episodes. <laughs> True. And uh, of course you can follow Ben Avery on Twitter at level seven pod. So be sure to follow him on Twitter at level seven pod seven is spelled out just like a word. So with that, we now have a little bit of spoilery stuff to share with you. So if you want to jump ship, that's cool. We're not going to hold it against you, or you can just maybe skip ahead a few minutes and get to the grand finale of the episode. Just be sure to subscribe to the show and join us in the social sphere out in the world. All the details on where to find us are at underthedomeradio.com slash 58. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. This is an Under the Dome Radio investigative report. Next week on Under the Dome, Big Jim is coerced into manipulating Christine for information to save his own life. On Under the Dome, July 23rd, when we have Caged, Big Jim is captured by Acteon, the dangerous private corporation that's descended on Chester's Mill. Are they? Can you descend when you're coming out of the lake? Is that more ascend? I think ascend would fit better. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, just want to make sure. When they descend, ascend on Chester's Mill to harness the dome's energy capabilities, he's forced to manipulate Christine for information about her agenda. Also, when Joe and Nori question the town's new rules, they find themselves in a dangerous face-off with the increasingly unstable residents Thursday, July 23rd at 10 Eastern, 9 Central on CBS. Wow. 
The Town's New Rules. Sounds like another Thursday night television show. Yes, it does. And <laughs> very unstable. That's one way to put the residents. And I got to give props to Mr. Hank Davis for putting together that spoiler alert warning. That sounds great. And it really gets you focused on the fact that something is coming. So, Hank, thanks for uh, putting that together and letting us share that on the podcast. Uh, next week, uh, Frank Whaley will be back as Dr. Marston. We'll also have Tia Hendricks as Audrey, Shane Callahan as Roger, and a guard number three played by Scott Parks for some of the guest actors next week. It's going to be written by Andreas Fisher Centeno and directed by Sergio Mimica. So I think it's going to be interesting that I also found that on July 30th, that'll be two weeks from the airing of Alaska, uh, that they're actually already going to have the meteor shower. Dun, dun, dun. That's right. The trailer after Alaska showed a gigantic, horrific meteor shower coming and people outside the dome actually wanting to get inside the dome to escape it. And the meteor shower is coming quicker than we thought because I assumed that was going to be like the end of the series. So we're going to actually have almost six episodes then after the meteor shower. So what could they possibly do after that meteor shower is over? (laughs) Another planet, a spaceship. I think Aaron Arnett Jr.'s theories are going to come into play. That's the only thing I can think of unless they decide after July 30th that they're just moving the uh, season finale episode up to July 30th and canceling the rest. I don't know. It, it makes no sense. The one thing that was kind of cool about that uh, trailer, though, is that as they were showing the fiery flames outside the dome walls, I was like, is this what Lyle saw in his vision with the flames 10,000 feet high or whatever it was? And then I remembered, hey, wasn't there that really cool vision that when people were passed out, when they were trying to go through the uh, glow in the dark fog in the apple orchard, and then people were having visions about giant flames, you know, busting through the town in the book. And I was like, oh, there's another book tie in. That's actually pretty nice. Could be accidental, but it is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I can't wait. The The, the special effects in the trailer looked amazing. So to actually see it happen live on the show, I think that the July 30th episode is going to be off the chain. If nothing else, it's going to be great to watch. I think that's where the focus on the visual effects have, have gone. And it was pretty spectacular. I thought, really? That's under the dome? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it makes it, like I said, it makes the restless season really look amazing and interesting <laughs> to watch. Let's just hope it, it, it plays out as good as they sold it. Well, whether or not it makes any sense, it's going to be fun to watch. Well, we just want to say thanks to all of you for subscribing to the show over the past few seasons. The fun's not over yet. Got a lot more dome yet this summer. So keep those five pink star ratings and reviews coming over in iTunes. You can go on over to underthedomeradio.com slash iTunes. Pause the show right now. Leave that review on your iOS device if you got it handy. And you can just do that whenever, but uh, hopefully before next week, because if you leave a review, we'll read it on the show. Indeed, we will. And another way that you can help keep the show rolling, because it is made possible by you. This is season three. We still need more propane deliveries. Keep the station running. So if you go to underthedomeradio.com, on the right-hand sidebar, there's a various selection of propane shipments that you can donate towards and have them delivered right to the radio station. Every ounce of propane helps, especially since it's all going to the radio station here at Under the Dome Radio and not to Big Jim's mysterious drug thing that he was trying to track down in season one. 
And most importantly, we love connecting with all of you, the fellow Domies. So head on over to underthedomeradio.com. All our social links are at the top of the page for Facebook, for Twitter, Google+. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel to make sure you get the reaction casts right after Under the Dome airs on the East Coast feed. But most importantly, we want you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts because you want to leave a review there too, whether that's on Stitcher, TuneIn, etc. Tell us what you love about the show so that more Millers like you can learn about our great community here in Chester's Mill. And thanks again for taking the time to listen to us on Under the Dome Radio. Share your thoughts and theories for the next episode of the podcast at underthedomeradio.com slash feedback. You'll find all the details there. And until next time, I'm at Wayne Henderson. And I'm at Troy Heinrichs, enjoying my serving of cattle feed slop as we stay trapped under the dome. Under the Dome Radio. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life, laugh with our clean comedy, theorize over great television shows, and so much more, all waiting for you at noodle.mx.